How do you keep God first in raising your children? How do you raise children that keep Christ at the center? How is that possible in a world that has all kinds of things vying for their attention? Not only vying for their attention, but for your attention. Is it possible to raise children today that love Jesus Christ with all their heart and to remain on mission? Is it possible in 2015 to raise a family that has children who chase after Jesus? Is it possible to do that? I believe it is. I believe it is, or the word of God we have to throw away. I recognize going into a message like this, we find ourselves at different places. Some of us have already raised children. Some of us won't have children. Some of us have children who have run away from God. Some of us have children in front of us that were vying their attention for the world is vying for attention. And some of us have children who are chasing after God. Our hope today is this, that you will see that we can't do it without Christ. But there has to be an intentional mindset that says, keep Jesus at the center. And when you keep Jesus at the center, then eventually, if you keep him at the center, then they know that he's important and she knows that, that he is important. So our hope today is that you'll walk away today with tools to help chase Jesus yourself and tools that help your children to chase after Jesus. But it requires time and attention. And sometimes we have to be able to stop and say, we need to focus on our kids so that they chase after Jesus. Let me show you what I mean. Take a look at this. I heard an illustration the other day where someone used a marble to represent every weekend they have with their kids from the time they're born till the time they leave their house. It came out to about a thousand marbles. A thousand marbles. It kind of sounds like a lot, but before you know it, those weekends start slipping away. For me, the hardest thing The thing that really broke my heart was realizing how many handfuls I've already thrown away. So much time wasted. What do I have to show for it? Life is precious. And even though I've squandered a lot of my time, Now I cherish each one of these marbles. I guess you can say that seeing how much time I waste has changed my perspective on what's important. Careers and hobbies are good things, but they certainly aren't the ultimate things I had made them for. I guess this life is all about perspective. And even though I know I can't spend every weekend with my family, I can certainly try. I can't believe before that I was so dedicated to the things that don't really matter. Me? I've got 728 marbles left. And I can't wait to enjoy each one. It's a very powerful illustration reminding us that we only have so much time to pour into our children. And each of us has been given a certain amount of time. And our hope is that one day that we do release them out. And when they release out, that they chase after Jesus Christ. My hope today is as we look at Scripture that you will see that it it is possible to, to watch your kids chase after Jesus. Maybe not while they're in a home, but I'm convinced once the Holy Spirit lives inside of them, he's the one that does the righteous acts in them, and there'll come a day, we know from Scripture, that they will chase after Jesus. Proverbs 22, 6, many of us have heard this passage, we've heard it taught, we've memorized it, we've believed it, we've taken it as a promise, as a principle in Proverbs. And it says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not turn from it. We've heard that over and over. And many of us have claimed that principle in in Proverbs. And I like how the NIV says it. It says, start your children off on the right way. 
they should go. Even when they are old, they will not turn from it. It's not just train, it's start. And then one translation said it this way. I really like this translation. It said, point your kids in the right direction, and when they are old, they won't be lost. Point your kids in the right direction, and when they are old, they won't be lost. So there's, there's this principle in Scripture that start them, build this foundation, Then there's this principle that says not only start them, but point them in the right direction so that when they're old, they won't be lost. And then there's train them. Train, point, and start. Requires responsibility. But all of it is our responsibility as parents. Grab your Bibles and we're going to unpack what it means to keep God first while raising your children. And turn to Psalm chapter 127. Psalm 127. And we're going to read verses 3 to 5. Psalm chapter 127. Need a Bible? Hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to Psalm 127, and we're going to read verses 3 to 5 out loud together. So find that so that you can read it along with me. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Stand with me, and we'll read it out loud together. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Let's read this together. Ready, read. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Look at verse 5 again. Let's read that again. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. You may have a seat. God longs for us to find joy and our children for his glory. God longs this is that, he, that our children can be a blessing. They're a blessing. They're a reward from him. And the fact is, it says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of children. So somehow, along this journey that we walk in as parents, there's this principle that says this, there should be joy in this journey, and we're blessed, not only if we have kids, but if our quiver is full of them. Probably one of the hardest things, to be quite honest with you, struggles that I face and my wife face, if we face raising our kids, is, is this, we love them too much. And let me clarify that. Not that we don't want to love our children, but we love our children very, very much. Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah. And, and we, we love them with all of our hearts. But if we love them more than we love Jesus, then there's a problem there. And so often, you'll see that unpacked because you love your children, that your primary focus of attention is on them and on everything they need. And what happens is God becomes secondary. Jesus becomes secondary. And so the principle is put Jesus first, and out of the love for Jesus, you'll love your kids. But often in families, that gets flip-flop. Every schedule that we have, everything that we do is dictated not upon what God wants or time with God. It's time with kids and what our kids want. And so it's a real struggle. I struggle with that. You do too as a parent because you love your kids. And we love our kids very, very much. But you can't get that flip-flopped. But in knowing this, it's also there's a blessing. This is children are a blessing from God. Our children and your children can be some of our greatest joys. And we should enjoy every season of life with our kids. The Bible tells us that they're a blessing, that it's possible. Yet some see their children as burdens, almost as if they're getting in the way of their personal dreams. Yet this passage says that blessed is the man or woman whose quiver is full of them. So are your children a burden or are they a blessing? Are they getting in your way of your dreams or are you taking the responsibility as a parent and saying, I have this certain amount of time, this many marbles to pour into their life, or are you chasing after your own dreams and not getting your children ready so that they can stand on their own two feet? What is a great parent? How would you describe what a great parent is? Is it someone who does everything for his or her child or trains the child to do the right thing? I think you know the answer to that. But somehow that gets out of whack. Is it? Think about that. Is it someone who does everything for his or her child or trains or points the child to do the right thing? 
One of the primary reasons that children become burdens to parents is because the kids have not been taught or trained to do things for themselves. So we have kids who have been served hand and foot to get what they want and not learn the valuable tools of serving on their own. Now think about that for a second. I love the analogy here that that the psalmist gives us. He says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of arrows. In our case, this comes from my crossbow, so for the knowledge today, it works great. Has three arrows and it's full, Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah. There it is. Blessed is the man who has three children. But think about that. It says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of errors. If, if it's a blessing, then somehow we are supposed to see our children as a blessing and not a burden. But take, for instance, this arrow. An arrow has a purpose. If you were to look at this arrow, you would know that it's a smaller arrow. It doesn't fit in a compound bow. It fits in a crossbow. And you would know that the razor blades on it are very sharp. And so in order for it to serve its purpose, I must sharpen. The blades must be sharpened. The arrow must be straight. The fletchings must be glued properly. And it must be ready to be used. It's the same way with a child. The the text reminds us that we're not supposed to just carry them around. Like if was to take these arrows and put them on my crossbow and I just took them for a walk in the woods. That's all I did. And if I never use it, what value would it be if I saw a deer and I never pulled an arrow out and shot the deer if I was hunting for deer? The purpose of an arrow on a, in a quiver is to use it, to sharpen it, to have it ready when it's time to be used. But here's what's happened in this text is saying. It could become a burden if all I do is carry this around everywhere. It gets tiresome. Like, if all I'm doing is carrying my kids, running them from place to place, being soccer mom or soccer dad, running their schedule, their schedule is running my place. Everything that is involved around them, we don't worship together anymore because I'm running them here and I'm running them there and I'm eating at McDonald's and I'm, I'm not eating healthy and all, and I'm just, all I'm doing is running, running. And all my schedule is I'm filling in my life after I fill in their life. The Bible says what you've done, you've just carried them and they become a burden. I can't tell you how many times I've heard parents complain, I can't believe this weekend I got to take them here again. I can't believe this. I got to go to this practice and run here. My car's got 190,000 miles. Listen, something's out of whack when that's taking place. You've carried them and you haven't trained them. You're supposed to train, to sharpen, so that your kids can leave the quiver and be used for what they've been intended to be used for. And when that happens, blessed is the man or woman or parent that has a quiver full because you've trained them, you've instructed them, you've added worth to them instead of just carrying them, running them. They're a burden to me. How many times have your kids been a burden to you instead of a blessing? Because all you do is do what they want to do. Now, how do you train someone? Or how do you sharpen? How do you point? What is the text saying there? What does it mean? It means to get them on mission, to get them prepared to be released on their own. You teach them the ways of God. You teach them how to tie their shoes. You show them how to do their own laundry. You give them chores. You, you take the skills and abilities they have and know what you do to them. You make them come to life. You see, wow, my child is able to do this. My child is able to do that. And so you take them out of the quiver and you sharpen them. You make them better at that. And so that they can take the tools, skills, and abilities that God has given them and use them for the kingdom. Yet, we live in a world that children are a burden. We carry them everywhere. (sighs) Instead of a blessing, they are sharpened, they are trained, they are skilled to do what they have been intended to do. Let me ask you a question, personal question. How have you prepared your children to be a follower of Jesus Christ? 
Like if your kid left the house today, would he leave the house and say, my dad, my mom, they sharpened me. They taught me the things of God and I can stand on my feet and I can't wait to get on my own to chase after Jesus Christ. Or have you trained them and instructed them to be a student or an athlete only? So how do you do that? You just continually show them. You let them enjoy this life. You, you do life with them. And so when you do that, you are blessed. Look what it says here also. I, this is incredible passage. Bless, verse five, is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to what? Shame. Now, what does that mean when their opponents face them in court? Here's what it means. When your children or my children are trained in such a way, or pointed in the right direction so they won't be lost. When adversity comes your way, you know what happens? They stand with you. And the more you got standing with you, the stronger you are. But shame is the man or mother or father or husband or wife that doesn't have his kids standing with them. He is put to shame when the opponent comes because he has to fend for himself. So there's this picture. Now you're training them, but they're supporting you. They're lifting you up. They believe in the values that you stand for. And so when adversity comes, the whole brown family stands there and says, no, uh, not on our watch. It's this beautiful picture of standing and defending together. How does that happen? It happens by pointing. It happens by training. It happens by starting them off in the right direction. Right now, I want you to ask yourself, is there anything out of whack in the schedule of my life as a parent with my kid? Am I hoping that they become this instead of an all-out follower of Jesus Christ? Because if you get it out of whack, you'll be the person that says, oh, can't believe I got to drive there. Can't believe I got to drive. You don't have to drive there. You don't have to go there. You have chosen to do that. So if it's out of whack, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a whack, and then you'll know what to do. There are three things that motivates a parent to consistently do everything for their children. Three things that I believe that motivates us to do everything and to carry them instead of sharpening them and training them and making them a blessing in that quiver. Number one, I would say a desire to be needed. Show me a parent who has a desire to be needed. They'll carry their kids everywhere. They live vicariously through their kids. A desire to be needed. And primary reason why there's a desire to be needed is because a parent's identity is found in their child instead of in Jesus Christ. Another reason that parents consistently do everything for their kids and get it out of whack is the desire to be liked, thanked, or praised by their kids. Parents want to hear their kids say, I like you, thank you. You're, you're a great dad, you're a great mom. It's because we covet praise in unhealthy ways. We're fearful of letting them down because maybe someone let us down. There's an underlying root principle that says something's wrong when we seek the praise and applause of our kids. Another reason why is this a need to be a friend with their kids. Now, let me just pull away here and say this. You should be a friend with your kids. You should have great friendships with your children. We have great friendships with the children, and many of you do too. That should be. You should have a healthy friendship with your children. But listen to me. Your children should not be your best friend. Listen, they shouldn't be your best friend. You have to have a level of authority in their life. And as you raise them, there's friendship, but you must have a level of respect and authority in their life. If they're just friends with you, then it's level playing. If you're best friends, then no one is in charge. You just agree to, yeah, let's do that. I like you. I like spending time together. But at some point, if you don't have a level of respect, then your kids will never respect and follow you and ultimately follow what God has intended them to follow. 
to Proverbs 22.6. It says, start or point them in the right direction so that they don't get lost. Your goal and my goal as a parent is to get them ready to fend for themselves. Teaching them how to serve and preparing them for the future when they leave the house for college. It is so good for your kids to get an opportunity to use their skills. Now, there's many, many practical ways to do that. The list is long in application. I'm a firm believer that your children should get a part-time job. I believe a child should learn how to work at some point as a teenager. I believe with all my heart. Like, if your child just continues that you're caring for everything, 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 and they don't have a responsibility of working and working under an employer, then, then they lack. Not that they can't somehow make it without that, but it's a good thing to do. Understand an authority. Respect authority. The start is so important because it lays the foundation for the future. And so Proverbs said, 22.6, start them off in the right direction. I saw that this last week when we were, or week, two weeks ago when we were in Thailand. We purchased some Legos for the Thailand boys and, and for the Thailand or the Cambodian boys. And when we were in Thailand, we took these Legos out and we began to assemble the boy that I sat with, boys I sat with, Mitri and Wissawa. And they had, we had this Lego. It could be made into three different things. It was great. It was a car, it was an airplane, and it was a soldier. Depending upon what instructions that he opened up, that was what it had to be. So I sat down with these two young boys and I thought, I'm going to show them. I'm going to instruct them. I'm going to train them. I'm going to hopefully be able to do this first with them. So I put on my reading glasses and I got out my flashlight so I could read the directions. It gets dark at six o'clock in Thailand. So we're putting this, this piece together. He didn't speak English, nor did the other young boy. And so as I'm putting it together, we're Step number one, step number two, three, four. If you ever put Legos together, you know, you lay out the pieces. And we're putting, we're starting off good. And I was thinking, we got this down. Got to about step number 10. And part of the coaching, mentoring, you want to help them to not do it for them. And he got to step 10, 11, and one of the pieces was put on incorrectly. And I looked at him, and I shook my head, and no, no. And he just kept going, no, no. And he kept going. He got to step number 13 and 14, and, and he realized that piece didn't fit. And he looked at me, and I went, went. So he took it all back apart. Took it all back apart. Started over. 1 through 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And by the time he got it all, the foundation set, it ended up being this incredible car. It was amazing to watch him and Mitri and Wissawa put it together. Started them off correctly. The foundation was good, so it was pointed in a good direction. Backstory to that was really awesome. The next day when our team showed up, back to the home, we drove into Thailand, into the home, and Mitri came up to me, and he had showed me this airplane. He had already taken the car apart and made it into an airplane. It was one of those cool father-son kinds of moments. It made me think, well, he didn't need me last night at all. Maybe, maybe I got him off track. But it's just starting. It's this picture of instructing. So ask yourself this question. Picture your kids or your kids-to-be. Have you been carrying them? Or have you been sharpening them? Training them? pointing them so that they can be taken out of the quiver and used for what they have been intended to be used for? Or are you afraid to let them out of the quiver, to release them? Our responsibility is to train, is to point, is to instruct. So it's proper to get them off in a good direction. Secondly, I would say this, another responsibility as a parent, is to always connect the dots to God. Ann and I long to raise, and hopefully you do too, I think the principle from Scripture is this, is to raise your kids and our kids to love Jesus more than they love you. Like, I know parents that have children that absolutely love their, their, their mom and dad. Like, they love them to pieces. And one of the primary reasons is because mom and dad take them everywhere and do everything for them. They let them do this and do that and do this. Hey, I love my mom. I love my dad. They took me here. They bought me this. They did this. I get to do anything I want within reason. But listen to me. Wouldn't it be a heartbreak if your 
children grew up and you released them out of the house and they loved you more than they loved Jesus. I have never seen in my lifetime, 53 years, a person, a child who loves Jesus that hasn't loved his parents. So if you are thinking that somehow I got to get them to love me so that they'll love Jesus. No, 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 no. It's backwards. You get them to love Jesus and they'll love you as a result of that. But if they don't love Jesus and they love you, then it's flip-flopped. So we must connect the dots. You must allow them to understand that Jesus is number one. As Proverbs 22, 6 states, start them off in a good direction, work hard at pointing them to Jesus and reminding them that the only reason they could ever do what they do or every reason you can do what you do is because of Christ working in you. And the best way for them to trust in Jesus is for them to see you trust in Jesus too. Kids are not fooled easily, by the way. They're not. Like, they see you at home. Like, they might think, well, you see... Jim, you only get to see him at church. You should see my parents at home. You should see my parents through the week. You should see my dad when he gets mad. You should see my mom. You should see my mom trying to teach me driver's ed. You should see that. (laughs) They're not fooled easily, by the way. So the point is, we, you, me, all of us, we need to live Christ out in such a way that our kids see Christ in us. Some of you as parents want more from your kids in their relationship with Jesus than you are willing to do yourself. Oh, send them to church. I hope Pastor John gets them straightened out. Well, maybe they'll sit in the, the adult service. I hope Pastor Jim speaks. Oh, he's talking about parenting. I hope he says, obey, obey, obey your parents. Honor your mother and father. Like somehow that's going to be like the magic wand. Like, whew, he just said it, go. Now they, they leave here. Whatever you say, mom, whatever you say, dad. No, listen, if your life isn't matching up and you're not following hard after Jesus, the greatest example that your kids will ever have of a Christ follower is mom and dad in the home. Now listen to me. Here's, what, here's the beauty about this. Maybe some of you have some regrets. Maybe you're thinking, I blew it. Listen, they're still watching you as adults. You still have influence over your kids, even as an adult parent. And if you're chasing after Jesus, they're saying, wow, look what grace and love and forgiveness has done to my mom and my dad. There is hope for me. It's a beautiful picture. The best thing you can do for your kids as a parent is to live out your own faith in a fresh, bold, daring way. Ask yourself this question as a parent today. Do your kids see Christ in you at home? Do they? Do they see Christ in you? Stats today are alarming. That the vast majority of kids growing up, listen to this, 85%, 85% is the most recent stat, of kids growing up in a nice, comfortable, church-going home where the family is idolized, walk away from the church once they are 18. Some never return. And in many cases, the kids love their parents, but they don't love Jesus. Idolize, where the kids are idolized. Idolize is, we're going to take you everywhere. We're going to make you, we're going to make you number one, but we're not going to encourage you and challenge you and push you and point you and instruct you and sharpen you so that you love Jesus. The greatest travesty that would be for any parent in here today is to have their kid turn 18 that first semester in college and never turn back to Jesus. But listen, it happens all the time. Maybe we need to take time this afternoon and say, hey, it's not too late to reevaluate. Am I sharpening them? Am I training them? Am I pointing them? Or am I carrying them? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, some practical ways how to do this. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Genesis, Exodus, Vitigus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Very practical principles. It's kind of the mantra, if you were to ask Ann and I, how we try to raise our children and, and many others, how they try to raise our children. These are the principles. Like this, this is the mantra for the Brown family and for thousands of other Christian families across America and across the world. Like, this is it. This is how we've tried to raise our kids. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So the first command is to us individually and to us as parents. If we love the Lord, we need to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. So first point, Jim and parent, mom and dad, love God with all of your heart. Verse six, these commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts first. Then verse seven, what's the first word in verse seven? Impress them on your what? What are we impressing on our children? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Not carry you everywhere, let you get what you want. It's training them. It's sharpening them. It's impressing. It's not branding saying, you're going to church. Boom, you're gone. No, it's inspiring. It's living out their faith and showing them that God should be number one. Then it says this. Look what else it says. These commandments I give you today to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit where? At home. And when you walk along the what? And when you what? Lie down. And when you get up. So when do you talk about them? All the time. So it's this picture connecting dots. The dots to God. When you're traveling, going from ball game to ball game, when you're going to 4-H, when, you, whenever, when you're riding your horse, whatever it is, just when you're dropping them off, when you're going there, as you go along the way, when you're running, when you're jogging, when you're working, when you're eating, when you're sleeping, when you're getting up, when they're eating breakfast, you're connecting God. It's like you're having God talks all day long. One of the favorite things that, that Ann and I have enjoyed through the years with our kids is that drive to whatever that was. Even now, Isaiah is 16 years old. And as we drive him to, this yesterday, we drove him to, he had an opportunity to play in a tournament of champions golf match yesterday at Christiana Creek. And as we're going there, you know what we're doing? We're, we're connecting God to life. We're saying, Isaiah, remember, God's given you ability to play golf. This is a platform you had. Remember, Jesus is number one. Use, use it as a light for Christ. This is your chance. You only get one chance at this. Always connect when we pray. We don't pray for the, that, that he'll win. We won't pray that he always wins. We pray that, that his talents and abilities will surface that somehow through his attitudes, through his action, that Christ will be glorified. It's connecting the dots of life to God. Impress them while, you, while they're getting up, while you're moving, while you're on the road. All the time while you're at home, it's having God talks all the time with your kids. So what are some ways to do that? I would say a, a bunch of ways. Here's a few. I'd say pray about everything and don't let prayer become casual. You know, one of the, you know one of the primary places prayer becomes casual? Bedtime and supper time. All right, who's going to pray? All right, you pray. And we pray this, this, this prayer, the same prayer. Instead of pausing and saying, all right, let's just take a moment, guys. Let's just think about what God's done for us today. What's he done in your life today? You have a praise for the Lord? Yeah, because here's what I know to be true in a home, that we overcome the evil one by the power of the blood and the word of our testimony. And so when we give praise to God, you know what happens? It pushes the enemy away, even at the supper table. You know what most supper tables are like? Hey, pray. Jesus, thank you, Go. We have become such a generation of caring, our kids, we go through drive throughs and we pray. We sit at our tables and we run. Whatever happened to sitting down and thinking, hey, tell me about your day. Has it been good? How can we pray for you? Don't let prayer become casual, even at the dinner table. Remind them of the goodness of God daily. Expect more from them than what you can ever imagine. If the Holy Spirit lives in them and he's, they're born again, he does, then they can do more than what you can ask or imagine of them. Model evangelism in front of them. That's one of the things Ann and I love to do. And now they model it with us, is share our faith with people. I can't tell you how many times in this journey of life where we've walked into a gas station, where we've been alongside the road, or, we, or Ann's brought up, hey, let's pray for that person. Or I said, hey, let's pray for that person. And as a family, we're praying for that person. I can't tell you how many times we've stood in supermarkets and we stood in gas station. There's a clerk and, and, and we're praying. Dad's going to talk or Josh's going to talk or Hannah's going to talk. And, and we've, God's given us the opportunity to lead a clerk to Christ. And my family is praying and all these, and they get to model. We've, God's given us opportunity to lead people. We, we, I remember one time in Florida, we're all sitting in a hot tub and these two boys come in and Josh kind of looked at me, oh, they don't have a chance. And they, and they, they just sat down. And so I remember looking and, and we got in a conversation with the Ann was there and she brought 
words in. And then and I said something to Josh. I said, Josh, tell him, tell him, tell him what it was like for you when you gave your life to Christ and what that means. Model it in front of them. Sharpen them. Don't do it for them. Show them how to do it so when they're on their own, they go do it too. I would also say this. Teach your kids to put on the armor of God every single day. Listen to me. As soon as your kid gets saved. Now, here, sometimes we lose sight of this. We look at a four-year-old or a three-year-old or a five-year-old and we think, now listen, I'm looking at a three, four, five-year-old that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and say, we look at him and think, well, he's got a long way to go. The same Holy Spirit can live in a three and a four-year-old as can in a 40 and 50-year-old. Listen to me, and because of that truth, they know a whole bunch more and are able to do a whole bunch more than a three and a four and a five-year-old who doesn't know Christ because the living God lives in them. So expect more from them because of the more God that lives in them. So instruct them, model and them, put on the armor of God. So early on, our kids, as, as soon as they understood know what they're doing? I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the this this, this, this shield of faith, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feed shop, preparation of peace. You know, they're getting dressed and we tell them, we say, Josh, Hannah, Isaiah, you're a spirit being. You have a spirit God. You have a spirit enemy. You need to get dressed in the spirit world. And so you know what they do? They put on the armor of God. If you walked into Isaiah's bathroom, he, he, for a long time, he had the armor of God on his mirror. You know what he did? Remind himself, I need, to put, I need to get dressed. I'm getting dressed physically. Don't let your children walk into the schools today without being dressed spiritually or they will get their behinds kicked. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Listen, parents, it's our responsibility. If you're just carrying them and you're protecting them and you're not sharpening them and training them, you have failed as a parent. Let your kids walk boldly into dark places. Don't let them be afraid. We have nothing to fear. If Christ is for us, who could stand against us? But that's the problem. We as parents, I can't let them go there. What might happen to them? Well, I'll tell you what might happen. The living God that stands for them might defeat the enemy like you've never seen before. You see, we let our own fear cripple our kids' faith. Teach them. Pause and show them how God came through. Take big steps of faith yourself. I also encourage you, take your kids on mission trips with you. How many of you have been on Numerous mission trips that yet to take your own kids. Listen to me. The best way to model it is let them go with you. Your next mission trip, think about how can I involve my children? There's nothing like doing life together with your kids. Modeling, showing them like this is the point. This is the direction we need to go. This is how we need to start. How will they ever learn unless they see from you? Ask them the hard questions about their journeys with God. Ask them a question like this. You ever doubt God? Has there been any moments in your life where you really wondered if God was real? Like, don't be afraid to ask those questions. What's it like for you to be a Christian in a public school? Is temptation hard? Do you struggle with purity? When's the last time you've asked your kids, do you struggle with purity? Like, pull them around the campfire. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with my boys and just around a campfire and we've asked those kind of questions. So has it been difficult? It's hard, isn't it? Listen, we're the parents. We need to sharpen. Listen, if you're expecting your kids to work through that stuff on their own, they will fail miserably. Especially if they're looking for advice from their friends. You are the authority in their life. Remind them who they are in Jesus Christ, too. Because from time to time, when they're in junior high and their friends beat up on them and verbally and they wonder if they have what it takes, you walk in gently and you put your arm around them. Hey, you know who you are? This is who you are in Jesus Christ. You are more than, you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. And what matters the most is not what she thinks and he thinks. It matters what Jesus thinks. Because one day, guess what? You're going to stand before the creator of the universe and he's going to say, well done. You see, we got to speak that into our kids. 
There's a bunch of things that you can do. I would say buy him a Tim Tebow jersey. I'm just kidding. That'd be a great thing to do. <laughs> Actually, we did that. Anyhow. And Hannah would love to go out with Tim Tebow. So if you've got connection, just hook her up, okay? <laughs> you laugh. She, one of her friends uh, from Grace College was, plays on the basketball team. They're in Philly this weekend, and uh, they were able to go to the Philadelphia training camp. And Kiera, who comes to Grace here, has a picture with Tim Tebow. And Hannah's like, <gasps> oh! <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> so Tim Tebow, if you listen to this, 2-3-A, blah, 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 call me. Francis Chan gave a great illustration of we also need to model grace in front of our kids. Like, we're going to screw up. Listen, I screw up big time. Let them see that. Let them see forgiveness. And let them see you say, I'm sorry, I blew it. Let them see you shower them with grace when they blow it too. Francis Chan gave a great illustration in this book. He said, years ago, one of my daughters came home from school and showed me a test she had failed. I saw the disappointment in her eyes, but also the fear of how I was going to react. She and I both knew that the F was the result of laziness, not incompetence. So we both knew that consequences were in order. But that night, I decided to use the opportunity to teach her about grace. Instead of disciplining her, I took her out for dinner, a movie, and ice cream. I explained that I was doing this to illustrate what God has done for us through Christ. Despite our sin, he withholds his wrath and showers us with blessings. We had a great evening, but the best part was the next day. When her friends said goodbye to her the previous day, they knew she was on her way to tell me about her failed exam. So when they asked how it went, she was able to tell them what I did and explain the gospel to them. She said their response was, I wish I had your dad. Even that was a teaching moment as we talked about how we should be so joyful from God's grace that others would respond by saying, I wish I had your God. Then I quickly reminded her that she had better get start, start studying again. He says, I don't give my kids ice cream for every failing. This was a one-time lesson in grace. <laughs> Model it in front of them. You know, we're going to fail. I fail all the time. We're human beings. And when you fail, you know what you do? I come up beside Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah. I can't tell you how many times. You know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have treated you like that. You know what? Please forgive me. I can't tell how many times in tears my kids say, we forgive you, Dad. You know, just model grace in front of them, too. I would also say this, keep the wonder of Jesus hot. Look at Psalm 78. As a parent, I think we should keep the wonder of, of the awe of, of God hot in their lives. Look at Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 to 4. Since my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from the of old. Psalm 78 and verse 3, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. Psalm 78, 4, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. There are so many things you can pour into your kid's life, but if they lose sight of the wonder of God in their journey, it might take a lifetime to recover. Like, when's the last time you just pulled your kids away and you sat down, maybe over supper, maybe, maybe on a ride, and said, do you realize this, guys? That when God created the world, all he had to do was speak. Like, when's the last time you've ever been, or, are you even enamored by that anymore? Like, even you, do you still have all of the way God created? He spoke. He said, water, and there was water. He said, earth and there was earth. He said animals, and there were animals. Have you, lost, have you lost the awe and wonder of God? Get it back. Go back and revisit the crossing of the Red Sea. Read that story over and over until it changes your heart. Like, how in the world? The only way that happens is because of our God. When's the last time you sat with your kids and said, do you realize right now, like right now, that God is holding the world together. And Colossians says, in him and through him, all things are held together. That right now, if God just kind of went like this and touched his eyebrow, that the world would just... <laughs> like sometimes we lose all of that stuff. Do you realize that you want, to have a good, you want to have a good sex talk with your kids? Go to them and say, do you realize that Jesus was born to a virgin? Do you realize that that's impossible? Sis, bro, do you realize that the only way, and you want to have a talk, talk about purity. There it is. Begin there and say, now the God of the universe. Like, 
We've lost the awe of God. If you've lost it and your kids will never get it either. We need to go back and revisit these things and just stand there and say, wow. You see, we've been distracted by all this junk in the world. They'll lose sight of it if you've lost sight of it. Let me just ask a personal question. Do you spend as much time getting them ready and living out their faith as you do for them to become athletes and students? Like, do you? We're supposed to prepare them for the future so they can be sent off on their own and make disciples. I would also say this, teach them how to respect others. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and teach them how to respect others. Look at Ephesians. Paul gives us great instruction in Ephesians chapter 6. Teach them how to respect others. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Can I get any amens out of any parents here today? Now turn to your child and say, children, obey. There it is. Your parents, obey me in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, kids which is the first commandment with the promise. Now listen to me. If you're a child here today and you're seated, seated with your parents, listen to me. Here's why you obey. Here's why it's because God says to. Here's why you should honor and respect your mother and father. Look what it says. If you're sitting with your parents today, kids, listen to that. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Now think about that for a second. Listen, I'll speak from a parent perspective. If you're seated with your parents, listen, obey and honor because it it affects the quality and the quantity of your life. And if you want to live and make a difference in this world for Christ, then obey your mother and father. Honor your mother and father because it will go well with you because when you don't, it won't go well with you at home. There must be a way to obey this commandment, no matter how difficult or painful your past has been, even for those of you who are trying to figure out a way to honor a mother and a father who haven't done the right thing with you. Anytime I witness a strained relationship with a child and a parent, I often wonder how much they have shortened their life. You see, the emotional and psychological impact on this relationship causes pain and distress, which leads to unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, and frustration. First Timothy 5.8 is a promise, and I'll read it. You don't have to turn there, but listen to this. It says this in First Timothy 5.8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, mother or father, child, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Why do I bring that into this message today? Because at some point, you have to sacrifice in your family to trust God. Sacrifice might mean, you know what? We're not going to take this vacation there this year, but we're going to help this family in need. You're modeling, you're sharpening, you're training. Sacrifice might mean, no, we're not going to go to six camps this summer. We're going to take one of that camp money and we're going to invest in as a family. We're going to walk across the street and we're going to invest in that family who's needy. Sacrifice involves maybe taking your salary and using a portion of it to advance the kingdom around the world. Your kids must see you sacrifice. And as some of you might be saying, but if I sacrifice there, who's going to take care of me in retirement? Here's what it says in 1 Timothy 5a. It says that your children will take care of you. And you're supposed to take care of your parents. Because any person that doesn't is worse than an unbeliever. So if you're concerned about your IRA or your retirement and somehow you're finding, I need to work, 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 and I'm not investing in my kids, that somehow it's better for me to do all that so that when I get to this age, the last 10 years of my life, that somehow I'll be able to take care of myself. You got it all backwards because the Bible says, sacrifice, step out in faith, care for the needs of those around you, love Jesus, 
Jesus teach your kids how? And if it means your own resources, the promise is this. When you get old and you can't take care of yourself, if you have trained your kids well, they're going to take care of you. I find great hope in that. That there'll be a day that I can't care for myself or Anne can't care for herself. That Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah will step in and say, I'll care for you, Dad. I'll care for you, Mom. I've seen you sacrifice for others. I'll sacrifice for you. That's the motto in Scripture. You won't find that at Edward Jones. You won't find that in the IRA. You won't find that in our world. But the biblical principle is this. Sacrifice to take care of others. I realize in a message like this that many of you have, have pain. Walk in with children have walked away. Maybe you're going through a very difficult time. Listen to me. It's not over with them. We always have hope in Jesus Christ. And if your child has rebelled away, listen, if the Holy Spirit lives in him, the, the righteous acts of God can come out of them. So in closing, I'd like to do something. I'd like to pray for parents today. If you are a parent and you would covet some prayer this morning, if you're in the main or the link, I just ask you to stand. If you're saying, I could use some prayer, Pastor Jim. And if you're here today and you have kids with you, I'm asking to grab the hands of your kids. Maybe you have to form a circle. I don't know if that's fine. Do that. Find a way to do that. And I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, I pray for your favor and blessing upon the families represented here today at Grace Community. Oh God, I pray that you would help us as parents to prioritize what needs to be prioritized. I pray, God, that we would be sharpening and training and pointing our children so that they will be used to their full redeemed potential, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict us of errors in our path. I pray that we'd be willing to say no more. I pray that we would use these last moments, seasons, whatever time that we have, how many marbles we have left with our kids, that we would begin to renew the wonder of God. They would, we would connect God to their life in a way like we've never done before. I pray, God, that we would take bold and daring steps in our own faith and show sacrificial steps of loving others so that our kids see that. I pray, God, that the children and the parents I see in front of me today in the main and the link, God, that they would always run after Jesus Christ. I pray, God, for those who have run away from God, for wayward children, for, for unsaved kids, for, for parents who cry at night, who who hear this message and are filled with regret, I pray, God, that you would remove that regret and bring peace and grace and love. And I pray, God, that these children who have these parents who have been praying for them for years, that they would see in their lifetime these kids chasing after Jesus Christ unashamedly and boldly, God, please. And so, God, we go from here. We have quivers of kids. I pray that we would make them a blessing and not a burden. Help us to do the responsible thing by making Christ number one in the family. I ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.